Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Code. Dr. Andrew Fix here, your host for this show. Wherever you're listening, whatever time of day it is, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, and thank you guys for being here to tune into this episode. This is going to be a really fun topic for me, okay? This is one that comes up every single day with clients in the clinic. It comes up in my life, my wife's life. You know, we work with a lot of clients at Physio Room who are pushing their bodies, pushing their bodies really hard, whether that's athletically uh, for competitions, whether that's just recreation, things that they want to do. I mean, out here in Denver, cycling is very popular. Running is very popular. Hiking 14ers is very popular. Heck, we just went out the other day and I saw dozens, hundreds of people snowshoeing. Not easy. It's a taxing activity. So on this episode, the code to sports recovery, we're going to talk about how you can optimize your recovery to the training uh, that you put yourself through. Okay. And hopefully what we're going to do is help you understand like where to place your time, where to put the emphasis on in terms of recovering from the workload that you put your body through or your mind through. Okay. So a lot of the information that we're going to go through in this particular episode, um, you know, I've been listening to a book recently. The book is called Peak. Uh, the author's name is Dr. Mark Bubbs. Let me just make sure I got that right. Dr. Mark Bubbs, Peak, the new science of athletic performance that is revolutionizing sports. So that would be a book that I would recommend to people who are looking to uh, find out, you know, more scientific details on how you can push your body, team sports, individual sports, how you can optimize your nutrition, how you can optimize your sleep. And for this topic, what we're going to go through today, how you can optimize your recovery to set activities. Okay. So as I say that word recovery or sports recovery, the code to sports recovery, what are the things that come to mind? Right. And we talk about this at physio room. We market ourselves as a place where individuals can come for recovery purposes because we have some recovery modalities and tools um, and strategies that we use in the clinic. But maybe we list off a few things. So the things that probably come to mind as you say the term recovery is maybe things like using a foam roller, maybe ice baths or hot tubs, you know, like a cold immersion, uh, maybe an infrared sauna, massages, compression wear, whether that's compression garments that you wear or compression things like the Normatech boots that we have in the office. Um, these are the things that often come to mind and that people are often referring to when they talk about what they're going to do for recovery. But recovery as a whole, just as the word, is um, it's thrown around a lot, right? But I think it seems easy enough, but there's not really like a well-defined you know, definition of that term. Like what exactly does recovery mean? Well, recovery can mean a whole lot of things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is with adequate recovery, athletes or anyone else are going to be able to withstand the demands 
and the stress load that's put on the body from training and adapt to that in a positive way if they get appropriate recovery. Right. Does that make sense? So, um, you know, most really good strength coaches or uh, fitness coaches, personal trainers, who, whoever that might be, physical therapists, <clears throat> you know, is what they're going to tell you is that you don't necessarily get stronger in the gym or you don't get faster on your run. Right. Like the training isn't what makes you better. It's the training plus the adaptations that take place from that training during your rest and recovery period. Because without that, what you do in the training isn't, isn't going to be worth much. It's not going to matter if you don't have the time to recover and adapt to it, right? we got to break our body down just a little bit. We've got to adapt to it in a positive way. And then we come out better on the other side. That's how it works. So just think about that as we go through this topic and we start talking about the things that you can do from a recovery standpoint, where you should put your time so that you can adapt to the training that you're doing as best as possible so that you come out better on the other side. Okay. Let's just let that sink in for just a minute. Okay. Let me maybe give it to you in a, in an equation standpoint, training stress plus adequate recovery equals positive adaptation and a boost or a gain in your performance, right? Training stress plus recovery equals positive adaptation. And that's the theme of what we're going to be talking about. You know, this is why when, you know, you're working with team sport athletes, or if you've ever been a team sport athlete, the strength coach who's programming the activities that you and your teammates are going through, that's why we use what we call periodization. And that's why we periodize the training because you can't just push the pedal to the floor all the time and expect to be able to recover from that and adapt to it in a positive way. There has to be some deload weeks or downloaded days where it's not quite as intensive training in order to allow you to respond to that in a positive way. Take running, for example, you know, somebody who's training for a marathon, they're not going to do speed work or a long run every single day of the week. There are going to be days of the week where in your training block, it's just meant to be an easy run. You're just going to go out, get your miles in. And it's more about the process and just getting the task done, feeling good while doing it and not tearing your body down than pushing your body to the limit. And then maybe two days a week, maybe they do a speed day one day a week where they're kind of pushing the intensity bound. And then maybe uh, most people will do a long run one day a week, oftentimes on the weekend when they have more time outside of their, their work life, where the intensity is not necessarily the button that you're pushing as hard, but it's the volume, it's the duration button that you're pushing a little harder on that day. But you don't do that every single day of the week, right? We have to periodize the training, build in some recovery to our program in order to, to be, able, be able to respond to that in a positive way, right? I sort of like to look at recovery in a way as a preparation method, right? Like me taking the opportunity to focus on my recovery from one bout of exercise is helping me prepare for the next one that I'm going to do, 
right? So recovery can be viewed as preparing for your next training session. You know, you want to set yourself up so that you can hit the gym the next day or the next week. Or if you're playing a team sport, you can, you know, be ready for the next game, the following weekend, or three days later, or whenever that is, you've got to recover appropriately to prepare for that. Right. So it's a very hot topic. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of places out there. Um, I'm thinking of places here in town in the Denver, Colorado area that their sole marketing is just all on recovery because it's a very sexy topic right now. People are wanting to participate in these things, but what I'm going to challenge you to think about is making sure that we're not forgetting the fundamentals in our recovery, because there's a lot of things we could do, but what should you do in order to get the best results? Okay. So before we go into, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you guys about a, um, a recovery pyramid that came out of that book that, uh, that I mentioned. But what I want to talk to you guys first is just like all the things that are going to impact your recovery from a stress standpoint, right? And there's more things that can be added to this list that I'm not going to list off, but things like how busy your busy or, you know, demanding your work life is your family, your training load, you know, what is, what is the schedule like of your training? How, how many workouts a week you do and how many workouts a day might you be doing, um, school life, children, you know, all of that. Are you someone who's competing? Do you have frequent competitions? Um, it's hard to replicate in a practice or in a training, the demand that gets put on the body during the competition, especially if that's like a, you know, a contact sport or something, you, you don't usually replicate the same contact in practice. So, um, that absolutely gets factored into the stress load. Okay. Um, are you traveling a lot? Maybe you travel for work or maybe you travel for, for your sport that's going to put a, a stress load on the body and tax the system from a nervous system standpoint, from a mental and emotional standpoint, you know, here in Colorado altitude plays a role. Altitude puts a stress load on the body. It's harder for the body to adapt and to recover in altitude compared to down near at sea level. Okay. And then at the end of the day, what it boils down to and why we're talking about stress is just the more stress that the body is under the lower the capacity to recover is to whatever the training is that you did. Right. So, and I think we all like intuitively know that we all can feel that where, when, when we are really stressed out, we're probably not performing at our best. And if you felt that before, you would probably agree with that. And then during times where you feel like everything seems to be going well, you know, you're recovering better. Your body feels better. Your mind feels better. And, um, and you're able to recover a little bit better. So from a recovery standpoint, I mean, I would argue, and I think a lot of really good coaches um, and mentors would, would agree that how you recover and your focus that gets put on the recovery is oftentimes equal to, or even more important than your training plan or the work that you put in, in the gym or on the court or, or wherever your training, you know, domain is because without the recovery part, there will be no adaptation, right? So, so in that respect, it has to be more important because otherwise all the training is not going to result in anything, right? It's not going to result in the, um, in the effects that you want it to. And I think I've found myself in that, in that space before. I used to be somebody who, regardless of what time I went to bed, regardless of how I was eating, 
regardless of what my schedule was like the next day, you know, I had the alarm set so that I could wake up in the morning at five o'clock to go to the gym. And I didn't really adjust that, or I didn't modify that depending on the other things that were going on in my life. But I've changed that a little bit now. I do things a little bit differently. And then, you know, reading and listening to things like this book, it just continues to like steer me more that direction of you got to adapt and, and listen to how the body's feeling and you got to focus on the fundamentals. So that's what we're going to talk about now. Where can you spend your time from a recovery standpoint on the fundamentals to get the most out of that, that recovery? Okay. So this pyramid, this recovery pyramid comes out of the book. One, two, three, four, five. It's five tiers tall, right? Like every other pyramid I've ever seen. Biggest bucket on the bottom or biggest base on the bottom, gradually narrowing to the point at the top. Okay. So where you should be spending the majority of your time from a recovery standpoint is on the items at the bottom, right? I know the food pyramid has kind of gone by the wayside, um, which I think rightfully so, but you know, focus on the things that are going to be the foundation for your recovery and then sprinkle in the items at the top that are going to help you optimize it at the highest level. But don't focus on the things at the top. So at the base of a recovery pyramid, the things that you should focus on more than anything else are things like nutrition, sleep, and stress management, right? Sleep is probably the number one place that you can start or that you should start from a recovery standpoint. Because if you're not sleeping, your body does not have the time or the capacity to recover from the demands that you put on it, right? So nutrition, sleep, and stress management, that's the foundation of our pyramid. If you have no sleep, or you're not getting enough sleep or just an, a lot of stress, you know, no number of the other things that we talked about at the beginning. What do you think of with recovery? Ice baths, hot tubs, massages. If you're not getting enough sleep, no number of ice baths are going to make up for that, right? You could go get a massage every single day, but if you're sleeping four hours a night, it's just a waste of money at that point. Yeah, it feels good. Maybe it helps you from a stress management standpoint, but the time that you're taking doing that could be better served just going and getting an extra hour and a half of sleep a night, right? Does that make sense? A lot of times we focus on, you know, wanting to do all these different things and we forget about the fundamentals. We forget about the base of the pyramid that's more important. So if you're not eating a nutritious, micronutrient-filled, you know, whole food-based diet that gets you adequate nutrition, adequate numbers of carbs, proteins, and fats, getting enough sleep, when you're managing your stress from a mental and emotional health standpoint, that's where you should focus your time. Okay. So moving on to the next tier up of the pyramid is just simply your training plan. Like whatever you're doing from a fitness standpoint, an exercise standpoint, how is your training plan laid out? Is it periodized? Like we talked about before, does it push the envelope just enough to be able to create enough training stress so that you can adapt to it? And, and come out stronger on the other side or faster on the other side? And does it have some recovery or down regulation, deloading built into it so that you don't go over that tipping point, right? So the training plan, just like 
How are you structuring what you're doing? Is it well thought out? Do you have a coach or somebody guiding you? Moving up one more tier on the pyramid is what is called athlete monitoring or just, you know, how is the athlete or how are you responding to the training plan that you're doing, right? And we can use that personal experience to guide the decision-making of, okay, what do we do next? Do we keep going according to plan? Do we modify, you know, are we one degree off and we want to change course just a little bit? Or are we right on track and we just want to keep going? So that can be done with things like journaling. I know we use an app with a lot of our clients. It's called Train Heroic. And when they are going to do a training session or a workout in the app, it asks the person, you know, how are they feeling? How prepared does their body feel for the training session that they're about to go through? How much sleep did they get on a, I forget if it's a zero to five scale or zero to 10, but just like, how are they feeling going into this training session so that we can tell, are they worn down? Are they feeling good? How are they responding to what we're doing so far? So that's where I think things like journaling or these different wearables that we mentioned before on the uh, sleep hygiene episode, if you haven't checked that one out, go do that because that'll help you address that base of the pyramid. If you find out that that's an area that you need to focus on, but things like the whoop, the aura ring, Apple watches, what, whatever you're using to sort of track can be used as a form of monitoring. Okay. Let's go up to a category that is, you know, of course, near and dear to me close to home would be fourth peer, uh, fourth tier up on this pyramid therapeutic treatments. So this is where things like sports massage, chiropractic care, physical therapy, all come into play, right? Maybe you're seeing an ART specialist, whether that's a personal uh, physical therapist, whether that's a chiropractor, whoever that might be. But this is the bucket that those fall in, therapeutic treatments. It's four tiers up, you guys, on the uh, on the pyramid. And I would agree with this simply by the fact that, you know, if I have a client that walks in our office and I'm going to see them and say they're dealing with knee pain and there's a lot of physical or biomechanical types of things that we could do to address their knee pain. But then I find out from that individual that they're only sleeping four and a half hours a night. I tell you, that's where the focus is going to shift in our treatment plan is ways that we can help them overcome the obstacles that are leading to the reason that they're only getting four hours of sleep a night, because we could do all the things in the world that I can think of that another therapist can think of to help their knee. But if they're not sleeping, their body's not going to be able to recover from the things that we ask them to do well enough. It's just not as important, right? What's more important for getting more than four hours of sleep or the types of treatment that we do. It's the sleep. At the end of the day, it's the sleep. It's the nutrition. It's the stress management, the things at the base of that pyramid, but therapeutic treatments definitely have a place, a time and a place. Um, and they, they find themselves fourth tier up on this particular recovery pyramid. Now let's talk about the fun part, the tip of the pyramid or the tip of the iceberg, right? Are the different recovery modalities that we started this conversation talking about. Things like ice, ice baths, cryotherapy, infrared saunas, muscular, neuromuscular electrical stimulation, things like uh, complex units, TENS units, whatever that might be, lasers, right? You guys, compression, Normatec boots, compression sleeves that you wear on your legs, like whatever that is, 
These are the things that a lot of times people put the emphasis on from a recovery standpoint, but these things are at the tip of the pyramid. These are the things that should be used, not necessarily in moderation, right? This isn't like, you know, eating desserts and things. Oh, it should be used in moderation. These are the things that should be used to help get that last little bit, that last little edge of a boost in recovery or performance. Like these are the things that should be used after or in addition to when you're already focusing and performing well on the fundamentals at the base of the pyramid. So if somebody's getting eight hours of sleep a night, hell yeah, they should use these recovery modalities because at the highest level, these things can help you just get over that last little bit, get past, um, you know, your competitor that's right next to you. Maybe you're 1% better than them because of the focus that you're putting in from a recovery standpoint that maybe they're not doing, but it's not as important as getting sleep. It's not as important as your diet and how you're eating. It's not as important as managing your stress at work and at home with your family. You know, you can't forget about all of that stuff and just go spend an hour a day in the infrared sauna and expect it to all just work out. That's not the way that it works, unfortunately. So focus on the tip of the pyramid when you have the base firmly established, right? You know, if I had somebody who, I said this before, if you're not getting sleep, no number of ice baths is going to make up that difference. If you're spending an hour a day doing these recovery things, these recovery tools and strategies, but you're not getting sleep, transfer that hour to go get some more sleep. And then when you have that habit firmly established, then start to work these other things back in. It's going to help you out longer or better in the long run. You know, that's what's going to make your body be ready for the training sessions that you want to put it through the next day in the next day in the next day is focusing on the base of the pyramid, right? So before we like wrap this episode up, I know, you know, we're working with a lot of people who are pushing their bodies on a daily, weekly basis. They're pushing their bodies, pushing the envelope, like training hard. And sometimes focusing on this base of the pyramid becomes a little bit difficult because what we know in the research is that the harder you train, the more intense and demanding your training is, the more it disrupts your sleep, the more sleep disturbances people have at a higher training level. You know, this is really common in professional sports. That's why it gets focused on so much. The more demanding your training is and the harder you're pushing your body, the higher risk of illness and repeated, you know, colds and flus, and just the more rundown your immune system can be. Right. So if you're not training enough and somebody's not exercising at all, we see the same thing. We see that their immune system, usually the risk of infection is a little bit higher, but when you're exercising at a moderate amount, that risk of infection and illness dips. But then on the other end of that bell curve, the higher you push, harder you push yourself and the higher the demand is on your body there again, the more the risk for infection. So it just becomes more and more important that you need to pay attention to those sleep, stress management, nutrition things so that you can sort of counteract that. And then this is where the periodization comes in again, right? After periods of like high intensity training, you got to back it off just a little bit. Preventing people from getting sick is a big reason why right? Of course, their body needs to recover physically so that they're not feeling run down, but you don't want their immune system to get, to get run down either. And a lot of times we see this, right? We see this with athletes, people who are 
really pushing themselves, but they feel like they're not making any progress. You know, they're in the gym every day, but they're just, they're not getting stronger. Sometimes it's because they're not pushing the envelope quite enough. They're not doing quite enough intensity, but I would say more often than not, as long as they're, you know, they have a training plan that they're following. A lot of times it's an indicator that their body's not getting enough recovery. So they're not able to adapt to the training that they're doing appropriately. Right. So if you ever feel like you're stuck in a rut, you know, you're training, you're putting in all this time, but you're just not getting the gains that you would expect or the gains that you used to get, you know, of course, there's going to be some diminishing returns. The, the, the more you lift, you know, when someone starts out training, they're going to gain performance a little bit faster than after they've been training for a long time. But if you're putting in the work and you're just not seeing any gains from that, it may be an indicator that, you know, your body is a little worn down. Maybe you're starting to creep into that overtraining syndrome or something. And I think we've, we worked with athletes in the clinic who, who have been fallen victim to that, right? They're, they're pushing, they're pushing, they're pushing. And what we've seen with some of them is now they have a new coach and that coach is taking a different emphasis on things that are making them focus in a good way, more on the recovery side of things. And now their performance is just, you know, it's growing exponentially. They're making the gains that they're looking for. And that's a great indicator that, Hey, if you're feeling run down, take a look in the mirror, take a look at your training plan, try to look at it objectively and see, are you giving your body adequate time for recovery? Or are you putting a little too much emphasis on the training and the intensity of the training? Right. So these are like signs. If you're getting sick often, if you're just feeling like you can't recover, if your body's feeling worn down, you're struggling to sleep, like maybe you have a change in your diet or your cravings are different. These are things that coaches can notice. These are things that you can notice. And if you can catch them sooner, we'll be able to help you out more quickly. You'll be able to help yourself out more quickly to uh, turn that cycle around, turn that snowball effect around so that you can get back to the gains that you're hoping for. So basically in order to wrap this up, you know, we want you guys to be pushing your bodies. We want you guys to be training. We want you guys to be enjoying the exercise and the fitness activities that you're doing, but we want you to experience the adequate recovery that you need in order to adapt to that appropriately and get the gains that you're hoping for in the future. So that's what this episode's all about the code to sports recovery. We really appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to this. And I hope you take some valuable information from this. Go focus on it and see your progress skyrocket in the future. Have a great day. Thanks so much.